Yo, what up? And welcome to the Second Tier Podcast. I'm Ryan Dilks, and I'm joined by the haircut in lockdown to the haircut at the hairdressers. It's Justin Peach. Good afternoon. How's it going, my man? It is great. It is great. Uh, you know, your haircut is actually probably better now in lockdown than it was before. Yeah, so for anyone who's missed this, and you will have all missed this because I haven't told anyone this apart from Justin, uh, I have had my hair cut during lockdown and it was my brother who did it and he's actually done a half-decent job considering mm-hmm. it's the first time he's ever cut hair. Mm-hmm. He's only done the sides, I haven't trusted him with the top bit, but I, I think it's all right. He's done it's, a, it's looking tidy, yeah. You know. Yeah, it's a half-decent job, he's done all right. Have you had your hair cut yet? Yes, yeah, I got. I had it done twice. The first one was good. The second one was a hatchet job, and I'm just letting it grow out. Yeah. See, mine. Um, my brother seems to have cut a bit out of my hairline, which explains why it's receding so much. Oh, well, that's the only oh that must be the same with mine as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, crazy how that happens, isn't it? Uh, first off, before we kick off on the episode today, Justin, um, some of you may have seen that our Twitter has been suspended. It's very annoying. So, if you wouldn't mind doing us a favour following our new twitter account it's at second tier pod at second tier pod we've managed to get 1500 followers on it almost straight away which is unbelievable so thank you for following us if you have so far Uh, if you haven't yet then please make sure you do we've got loads more listeners than that so if you're not following us then justin will hunt you down and Mm -hmm. grab your phone and make sure you follow us yeah That's how threatening he sounds. We're hoping to get the old Twitter account back, but make sure you follow our new one. Stay in touch with everything that's going on. In more positive news, we want to say thank you for everyone who's listening to us during lockdown so far. Obviously, these are hard times at the moment and for a lot of people, uh, but there's still loads of you listening. So thank you for that. And hopefully we're managing to fill or going some way towards filling that big football shaped gap in your life at the moment but stay tuned because we've we've been using this time to make sure uh, that we can make the most of it and uh, we've got plans uh, on the way so get excited for that right let's get into the news then justin as usual during lockdown we'll have the news and then uh, the 11s this week we're going to be looking at the oldest players in the championship the uh, 30 and overs the best ones amongst the experienced heads the oldsters. we'll have the the oldsters uh, the squad goals we'll have as well after that and then as always the craig bryson pub quiz so let's go to the news then justin not much this week actually we've been quite blessed with loads of news since the coronavirus pandemic began and despite there being no football uh, but there hasn't been that much this week but we'll start off with this <laughs> which was a very eye-opening and interesting leaked recording apparently from the bbc conspiracy. Uh, the bbc cl- conspiracy theory the bbc claims it's heard a leaked recording where there are fears fans won't be able to go to games until 2021 uh, this recording is supposedly from bristol rovers winger alex rodman who's the club delegate for the pfa in it he says the efl doesn't think fans will be allowed at games this year which is interesting because it does seem that games are going to be played behind closed doors when they do return, but when fans are allowed to watch games again in person, that's still very much up in the air, isn't it, Justin? But does that surprise you, the year being pretty much ruled out for fans being able to watch games again? Uh, not really. I think I've seen enough like Hollywood movies to know that this thing's going to yeah, normality is not going to resume. Uh, context of that I watched um, out was it outbreak last night? Anyway, <laughs> can we get back on? Yeah, yeah, yeah. onto football. Um, no, I'm not surprised. Uh, just because you know it's 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 not going to go away unless there's a cure, and until there's a cure, I don't think normality can can resume. Uh, there's this second wave we're waiting for that's been well described. So yeah, until until then, I just don't think, yeah, there's going to be any sort of outdoor events or large gatherings as such. Mm. It's a weird thing to think about, isn't it, that we have seen our last, well, possibly we've seen our last game in person for the rest of the year. Like, mm. I, I, the last game I went to, the same as you, I imagine, was Derby v Blackburn. And if you told me then that that would be the last game you see for this year, mm-hmm. then that is that's a very weird thought. Oh yeah. Um, 
Going back to that recording, it also claims there could be a 23-team Premier League next season. So the way that would work is three teams promoted in the Championship, but no one gets relegated. Then three teams would then come up from League One to the Championship, with no teams being relegated from the Championship either, and then so on down the leagues. And then the idea would be that the leagues would be rebalanced later on. <laughs> League places will be decided, <clears throat> if no more games can be played, on sporting merit. See, they're just, they're just trying to avoid any potential lawsuits from those that are in the relegation zone currently. Yeah, exactly. That's, like, that's When I saw that story, that's exactly what I was thinking it, of. Because if you told, I know Villa, for example, that you're being relegated this season because we can't play any more games, they would kick up one hell of a fuss. And probably understandably as well. No, definitely, definitely. I'm just... It's... It, it it's like a, a roll over and tickle my belly scenario. Like, oh, we don't want to annoy anybody. We'll let you have what you want. We'll mm. completely change the leagues, you know. But that's, I suppose, really, that's the best thing that the Premier League and the EFL can do, isn't it? Just try to keep everyone happy. We well, not going it to might, do that. It, it, it doesn't seem like it's... Um, it, obviously, it's not ideal, but if you deny... Leeds West Brom promotion and then you don't relegate Villa or what have you then Leeds and West Brom are going to be annoyed and then if you relegate Villa and just do it as as it is normal you, they're going to be obviously I keep saying Villa Norwich are also down there as well <laughs> but my point is everyone's, <laughs> th- this seems like the best way if that is the case for everyone to be happy somewhat yeah but I, there's the What's, what's a word that owners have, have used several times, uh, like completely unbalancing it? Um, you know, sporting merit goes out, not sporting merit, but the merit goes out of the window, etc. Changing it completely just to satisfy everybody's needs. And these needs are going to be mainly motivated financially, not, yeah. not to the merit of the competition, which is, yeah. well, which is what I was on about. Well, or in modern day football, Justin, I think there's an argument that everything's based financially. Really yeah. into. Uh, meanwhile, there are numerous reports that if the season can't be finished, then West Brom and Leeds would be promoted. And then the four teams in the playoffs at the moment would have the usual playoffs, except the semi-finals would just be one leg at a neutral venue. Now, this seems like it would kick up a fuss as well, because if you're a team outside the playoffs, say a Bristol City, who are, they're not miles away from the top six, surely they'll kick up a fuss as well. I think it, they, they probably would, but there's less of an argument with the playoffs because at the end of the day, if you finish seventh or eighth and you don't, you, should you have a chance of promotion because the season's been cut short? Mm. I suppose it's an argument. Yeah, I suppose an argument would be surely this would just be an example where the playoffs should just be eliminated from the equation and the team who's third goes up yeah but then you get the team that's four through a, a point behind oh yeah then start to kick up a fuss so you can't really win can you no. uh, right so let's move on Blackburn and Derby are the latest clubs to agree wage deferrals that's one thing that just keeps happening. I think just about every championship club now has agreed some sort of ways to fall. The Daily Mail is reporting that it's looking increasingly likely that the League 1 and League 2 seasons won't be finished. That's because the number of coronavirus tests needed is one of the main issues uh, behind that. Mm-hmm. It seems like, I don't know if you're getting this picture as well, Justin, that I'm not saying it's going to happen but it's becoming less and less likely the championship season will be played out. Is that something you're getting? As as weeks go by and leagues, other leagues around Europe start to say, look, we're not gonna we're not gonna finish the season, then yeah, that 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 those that element will start to creep in. I think you look at the you look at uh, Germany for example, I think the outbreak there has been handled very efficiently as as is always the case with Germany um yeah very efficient um so they're able to you know get back to normality a lot sooner than than us for example you know the Bundesliga there I think they some of the clubs are going back um to train whereas we're a long way from that so yeah we're we're a long way yeah as I say we're a long way from that so 
that aspect I think will start to just start to play into thoughts because at the end of the day teams are hemorrhaging money there has yeah. to be an end at some point yeah I'm not saying going back to what I was saying just a second ago it seems like before there was a uh, I know it seemed like a 90% chance in my opinion that the season would get back underway at some point but that percentage seems to be Drop. decreasing <clears throat> oh, yeah. week by week because um, we follow, we've been following the news closely haven't we by mm-hmm. Uh, trying to update people with the latest on the championship. And this final bit is more of a general point for football. The UK's most senior police officer for football has been talking this week about games being played and says there would be challenges if games would be played at the uh, at their original venues, which ties into what we were talking about before, where games could be played at a neutral venue in a, a selected 10, I think it was, mm-hmm. um, grounds across the country. Uh, And then he also says there would need to be a rethink if crowds began turning up at games when they're meant to be played behind closed doors. This is something I've been worried about Mm -hmm. because I can just picture it happening where all this hard work has gone into um, having games get back underway and then fans are told you you can't turn up. But then there's groups of idiots who just turn up anyway at the grounds and then the police say, oh, well, this keeps happening. And then higher up, you know, government levels say, well, if this keeps happening, we're going to have to shut down games. Mm-hmm. I can just see that happening, Justin. Yeah, there'll definitely be a, that, you know, the way you see it, how it play out. If that was the case, then the higher authorities would have to jump in and... They would kick off, wouldn't they? Yeah, no, absolutely. That's that's where I think neutral venues does make sense. Mm. You know, you, you, you would avoid large gatherings at... Yeah, in but there'll, be, there'll still be people who will turn up. Uh, just a bit. The, the thing is, what scale of people turn up? Because if there is, you know, over a thousand people, it's going to be absolute chaos. Well, I think in, in in Italy and Spain they were issuing fines for people who are breaking the quarantine. I think that that's probably the only thing you can do, isn't it? Well, it, turn exactly. Up to a game, instant fine. But you know, that's not that's not championship related. That's not football related. I can't talk about that. It's mm. political. Well, it's for a different podcast. Go. Mm. Right, let's crack on then, Justin, with the 11s. As mentioned, we're going with the experienced heads, the older players in the championship. We're going with 30 or older. That's the cut-off. Is that right with you, Justin? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Lovely. That's it. Right. Immediately when you get old, you turn 30-year-old. As soon as you turn, as soon as you get to the big 3-0, that's it. Old. Right, who have you gone with in goal? Uh, there's only one man I can really pick for this, and it's Bartosz Bielkowski. I've also gone with Bartosz Bielkowski. Yeah. Why have you picked him? Well, he for for me he's he's, in, he's definitely in the top five goalkeepers in the league. Okay. And I, um, no disrespect to Millwall, but I'm surprised that they were the only team in for him when Ipswich were relegated. What I'm trying to what I mean by that is they should have had a lot more competition to get him than they did. It was very very easy. You know, it was a loan with a view to a permanent, which has now been made permanent. So. You know why weren't more teams in for him? He, he's been a, as consistent as any goalkeeper, probably in the UK over the last seven seasons for Ipswich and now Millwall. Yes, yeah. a no-brainer well, for me. I've been saying for a long time, mm-hmm. way before we even started doing this podcast, as yes, as you'll yes, as yes. you'll uh, uh, admit that I've been saying Bartosz Bielkowski is one of the best goalkeepers outside of the Premier League. Yeah. He's the best shot, shot stopper in the Championship, easily for me. There's no mm-hmm. doubt in my mind about that. He only joined Millwall from Ipswich in the summer, as you mentioned. And I used to work in Ipswich, and so I saw him at Portman Road quite often. And he was saving points for them on a weekly basis. He would pull off a save of the season contender in every game. And he's continued to do it at Millwall. As you kind of alluded to there, he's deserved a shot in the Premier League for quite some time. But I think the thing that's let him down is his distribution, because he's not the greatest with his feet. He's probably in the wrong generation in a way, because if he was back in the uh, 90s or early 2000s when footwork didn't really matter he'd probably be one of the best keepers in the top flight that's how much I rate him because he is a top top keeper and he's also a very good looking man he went to the World Cup in 2018 didn't he as third choice for Poland Uh, he has been a part of the Poland setup for quite some time now but Poland have uh, produced some unbelievable goalkeepers yeah they have a good good group of keepers you've got Boric Szczesny Fabianski to name a couple Dudek Dudek, there's a guy in Fiorentina who yeah. I know from my FM days, Jack Kosky. 
Yeah. For some reason, Poland have a really good record at producing goalkeepers yeah. and uh, Barchash is just one of them. Mm. Right, right back. Who have you got, Justin? Now, I've, <laughs> I found it very difficult to pick full-backs again. Okay. Um, so I've gone with three at the back. Slightly not uh, not a functional three at the back. Right, shall um, I go with my right back then? Go on then, go on then, go on. Okay, because I've gone with four at the back. I've gone for all my... A standard four-three-three, which I seem to do in every single eleven. Mm. Uh, I've gone for Middlesbrough's Johnny Halson. So it's been an abysmal season for Middlesbrough. Not many players have covered themselves in glory, but Halson is probably one who can't be faulted for his effort this season because, well, he's always been like that. Really, he's a leader, a model professional, and fans of his past clubs, you know, Leeds, Norwich, will know exactly what I'm talking about. He's probably been Borough's best player this season, and mm-hmm. deserves a lot more praise for his performances than what he's getting in terms of results because obviously results haven't really gone uh, no. that well for Middlesbrough this no, season not at all no um, who have you got as your first centre-back Justin um, so I've gone with Aidan Flint okay okay so he struggled he, he has struggled since leaving Bristol City obviously he went to Middlesbrough um, and he has started to steady out well he has to be honest after a fairly rocky start quite early on in the season for Cardiff um, but on average, he wins six aerials a game, which is amongst the best in the league mm. uh, for a defender. Um, and possibly, I know I picked Sean Morrison last week for underrated defenders, but I might have been wrong to overlook Aidan Flint because, again, he's been one of the standout players for Cardiff all season. I know they've been poor, relatively poor defensively this season, but he's easily in the top 10 performing defenders in the league. And to say he's 30 surprised me. I thought he was a bit younger than that. Um, and the fees he's commanded over the last couple of seasons in his transfer in his move sort of justifies his ability alone. Mm. I will disagree. I have always had a few question marks over Aidan Flint defensively. In terms of his aerial battles, there's no doubt about that. I mean, it's not surprising when you consider he's six foot seven or something well, like that. Well, the way I, the way I'm looking at it is Tony Pulis signed him, and Tony Pulis likes his defenders, mm. and then Neil Warnock signed him. Which, again, that, that, that's two very good managers to have you back. Yeah, I can see where you're coming from, but I've, he, he's never really convinced me defensively. I think his ability has kind of been um, glossed, if that's the right word to use, by his goal-scoring threat, even though he hasn't really scored that many goals over the past couple of seasons. But that's the one thing that I've always thought about Aidan Flint. I don't know if you agree. I mean, yeah, he, he does score goals, but it, I, I think at Bristol City, he's probably playing in the wrong team in, in the sense that he's much better off in a in a team that's more defensive. You know, he didn't really thrive at Borough, but he was still part of a fairly decent defence. And at Cardiff this season, they've struggled as a squad, um, but they they have improved over the last five six weeks. Well, of the season when it was being played, yeah, and that's you know. <laughs> That's down to Neil Harris getting him getting him going again. Fair play. Uh, my centre back. Well, I've got two centre backs, so I'll, I'll reel them both off now. I've got Ashley Williams at Bristol City, mm-hmm. and then I've got Michael Morrison at Reading. Have you? You've got two more centre backs. Who are your other two? <clears throat> so I, I I've cheated because I couldn't leave them out. Um, so it's a bit of a uh, um, if anyone's familiar with the term uh, libero sweeper. Yeah. Um, so I've I've had to shoe in Ben Watson. Okay, at centre back. At centre back, um, just because yeah. I didn't want to pick defenders for the sake of picking defenders, so I know Ashley Williams has been up and down, but he's definitely. I don't think he's been as good as the players that are in this defence now. And the same with Michael Morrison, um, to be honest. Uh, so yeah, I've gone with Ben Watson as as I've mentioned last week. He's so important for Forest. He's, you know, as I said, I, sort of, I had to fit him in somehow, and he's got to be Forest's player of the year this season. Mm-hmm. Okay, John. Yeah, we've we've said plenty about him, really, haven't mm-hmm. we? Um, who's your other centre back? Uh, I've gone with Curtis Davis. Okay, see, you are a Derby fan, as yeah, you're yeah. famously known. Um, but from what we've said this season, I didn't think you were too much of a fan of Curtis Davis's performances this season. I don't think I've been overly critical of Curtis Davis's performances this season. I'm more Derby as a defence, but Curtis Davis as an individual has been very good. He's not a ball-playing defender, so again, it goes down to system. But at the age of 35, again, he a- he averages more aerial wins than Aidan Flint, which 
Yeah, it's impressive. I, th- I think there's four inches difference in height. Uh, you know, Aiden <laughs> Flint's bigger than him, um, and he has been key for Derby this season. He's been captain. Obviously, Rooney's coming in, taking the captaincy. He's been captain. He's nursed a young team through a rocky period, and he's a model professional in the league. I, I, I. <laughs> I do rate Curtis Davis and I think he has been a lot more consistent than other defenders that we could have picked. I was, I'll keep chuckling to myself because I was going to make a joke about four inches being a lot, but um, we'll move on. Uh, my, my two centre-backs then, uh, Ashley Williams at Bristol City and Michael Morrison, as I've said. I'll, I'll talk about Ashley Williams first. So, cast your mind back to the start of the season. Ashley Williams, without a club. He only got signed up because Bristol City were having an injury crisis. And he's ended up playing more minutes than any other defender at Bristol City. He's really rolled back the years. I know you're a bit sceptical, as you've just stated. But I think he has been really, really important to Bristol City's success this season. Um, He's not been as good as he was back in his Swansea days, but he's he's put in his best performances for quite some time because his career has really stalled since he left the Swans. Mm. When you consider he's 35 now, he's one of the oldest players in the league and he's done more than a good enough job when he was really just a filler really for Tomasz Kalash when he was out injured and then Kalash has ended up being out a bit longer than we were expecting. So Williams has really had to step up and he's more than done it. I just... I think Bristol City have been so poor defensively. I I disagree with Ash Williams. He's he's been a he's been he's been really poor since that Euros in twenty sixteen when Wales got oh, to the semi final. I think I think he has been poor, but this season he's he's turned it around somewhat. And I think the reason Bristol City have been poor this season is because they've just had so many injuries defensively. Because they lost to Silva, uh, Kalash, as I mentioned, Hunt was out for a bit. They've had a bit of turmoil in defence, and Williams has really been the kind of a figure there that's really stayed there throughout the rest of the whole season when he wasn't really expected to. I'll get on to Michael Morrison because I don't think we've spoken much about him this season, but no. he's really been a key point, a key part of a Reading defence that is actually quite good because only six teams have conceded fewer goals than them. Um, he's only missed one game and there's plenty of adapting to do because sometimes he's been in the back four or back three, but he's dealt with it <clears> superbly. <throat> And it's weird to think that he only joined Reading after Birmingham let him go because they couldn't agree a new deal. And then Birmingham have missed him quite a lot this season because mm. the, diff- the two centre-backs have been a bit of an issue. But uh, it's Reading's game and he has been an absolute rock at the centre of that Reading defence. Are you, are you more of a fan of Morrison than Williams? Oh, no, definitely, yeah. Um, I don't rate Ashley Williams at all. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> My, you only my, rate Michael Morrison somewhat. No, I do. I'd, I'd definitely pick Michael Morrison, but the midfielders I picked immense meant I couldn't put Ben Watson in there. Um, and obviously, we've, um, we've spoken about Ben Watson. on the bench. Yeah, Morrison's definitely on the bench. Um, okay. But you are right. He has been. He's a very good championship championship defender, and he has been key to a very consistent defence. Him, Cabral, Moore, um, for example. Me yeah, that's. Good. The 3M centre-back pairing. Big fan of that. So, yeah, hard to disagree. So, just to talk about your formation for a sec, you've got three at the back. Mm -hmm. How's the rest of it working? Well, it's like a a 3-5-2. 3-5-2. So, are your wing-backs, are they full-backs or are they wingers? They're, they're, They're wingers. Oh, right, okay. I'll finish off my defence then. There's enough defensive cover in midfield, don't worry. Right, okay. I'll finish off with my uh, set uh, with my defence then. My left back Stuart Downing at Blackburn, and he's someone we've been giving plenty of praise to this season. I'd say he's one of the signings of the season because he moved to Blackburn after Middlesbrough decided they didn't need him anymore. Thirty-five years old, big wages, time to go. Tony Mowbray looks in and thought he's still got something left, and Stuart Downing has proven Tony Mowbray right. We've known for years now how good Stuart Downing's left foot is. But this season, it has been a wand. Only two players have created more chances than him this season. And this is a guy who was pretty much thrown on the scrap heap by Boer. Might be a bit harsh, but it certainly comes across as that. And it's quite mind-blowing how much of a revelation he's been. And I've got him at left-back, but he's played just about everywhere this season. And I could have put him anywhere in this team. He has been so good for Blackburn. Mm -hmm. No, yeah, I'd agree with that. Um, Yeah, He's, he's, he's fit as anything as well. He doesn't look like he struggles in games 
he, he, he can dominate games still, even at 35. Well, he's played pretty much every game for Blackburn yeah. this season. I mean, yeah, consider yeah. he is 35. He doesn't look like he's slowing down anytime soon. Let's go into midfield then, Justin. We'll start off with the centre midfielder, shall we? Mm-hmm. Uh, my holding mid, I've gone for West Brom's Jake Livermore. I've got Jake Livermore as well. Yeah, I thought you might. Quite simply, Jake Livermore is a contender for championship player of the season. His performances do not get talked about enough. No one has put in more consistent performances for West Brom this season than him. And this is a West Brom side who, as we all know, are near the top of the table. And he's probably had the best season of his career. And this is a guy who's played for England as well. You can't also underestimate his leadership because he has really stepped up in terms of being the most vocal part of that dressing room from how it looks on the pitch anyway. He has been so good for West Brom this season and many West Brom fans have been telling us that throughout the season. You could even go as far to say he's been even more influential than uh, Matias Pereira at West Brom as well and we all know how good he is. No, absolutely. He does He does the work you don't You don't look at, you don't notice. You know, it's, it's the grunt work. He's a box-to-box ball-winning midfielder and he's got the ability to score a goal or two as well as we've seen as you saw at the sort of the tail end of the this season. Um he's a perfect fit for Romain Soyes. As I say, he yeah. does the dirty work, gives it to Romain Soyes who can who can then dictate the play. Um I, I'm not I know it, it got talked about quite a lot, but I'm not surprised Gareth Southgate had him in the England squad prior to the twenty eighteen World Cup. Obviously he didn't make the final squad, but there wasn't a lot of midfielders that did what he did. Um it was him and Fabian Delph, and obviously Fabian Delph was playing for City at the time, so no surprise that he went to the World Cup instead. Um, so as I say, just it does the stuff that nobody really notices or appreciates. You know, he's not a sexy, glamorous, flair-ridden footballer. Um, so yeah, definitely uh, an underrated player in that sense. Yeah, definitely. Who are your two other centre mids then, Justin? I've got Sam Basau. Okay. At Forest. Um, again, at thirty-one, I thought I, I thought it was younger, um, but th- this was a huge signing for Forrest. It's just a shame he's been injured for as long as much as he has uh, at different periods of the season. But he averages four, more, uh, he averages almost four tackles a game. That's a lot. Yeah, that's yeah, that's a lot. <laughs> that's a hell of a lot. I, I know. Uh, I've, I've seen Sam out a bit for uh, Forrest this season, and. He is just the definition of someone who just does not stop running. Mm-hmm. He is just industry. Yeah, he, he tracks down players, wins the ball back, and he, he, for the system and style of play that Forrest implement, he's ideal. And alongside Ben Watson, those two as a pairing are outstanding. Um, yeah, move a centre mid. Yep, go for it. Uh, Paul Gallagher. Oh, okay. I wasn't for- expecting that. 35, Paul Gallagher. Yeah, he's been around for ages, hasn't he? And I, I sometimes forget that he's 35, but he is still very much yeah. going. He's still going, isn't he? And no, absolutely. He doesn't look like slowing down anytime soon. He's played, I think, uh, roughly about 25 presses. I've not noted it down, but uh, r- roughly around that. He's a Preston North End legend, let's be honest. Yeah. and He's a legend at quite a lot of clubs. He's definitely a championship legend, isn't he? Oh, he fits into that bracket. He'll, he'll be on the Craig Bryce in a few years. Um, <laughs> he's he's easily got one of the best techniques in the league as well. It's ridiculous. Um, just the ability to strike a ball. Dead ball situations are, are brilliant. Penalties are ever reliable. Obviously, that really interesting run up he he, he has as well. Um, and he's important as now as he's ever been for Preston. You know, and he's 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 racked up two hundred eighteen appearances so far, and you know, still going. Yeah, you could argue he's got better and better with age, really, hasn't he? Well, he's moved. He used to be a winger, and he's moved centrally now. And obviously, Daniel Johnson getting injured at a certain part of the season this season meant that he played a lot more than he probably thought he would. Yeah, that's fair to say. Uh, my two centre mids. Uh, I, I thought these were pretty obvious, really. I thought you were going to go the same as me, but you might have them in different positions in the mm. team. I've gone my first centre mid, Pablo Hernandez at Leeds. Um, had to include him, really. I. I instantly lose all credit if I didn't (laughs) (laughs) I mean what more can we really say that we haven't already said he's a man who like Gallagher seems to get better with age and it's quite remarkable how he's managed to keep his legs so mobile because he's no Grady (laughs) Dean what (laughs) let me explain he's no Grady Dean Garner in terms of pace but he's so agile and his balance is unbelievable someone who for someone who's 35 
And I think it's fair to say as well that his experience probably helps him when he's in the final third when it comes to, you know, picking out that pass. Because as you get older, you, you know, you see more of the pitch and you just know where players are going to be. I think his age has really helped him in his latter years. No, yeah, I agree. I have, I have got him on my side, but there'll be someone out there who's spent years studying biomechanics and gone, he's made his legs more mobile. <laughs> I said he's kept his legs so mobile. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Right. Scientifically, it doesn't make sense. It's funny. Right, <laughs> other sentiment uh, is Wayne Rooney. He, he's another one who, like Hernandez and Livermore, kind of just walks into this team, really. It's... We all know what he's capable of on a football pitch, but at Derby this season, he's really taken up the role of elder statesman. And when he's got, you know, all these young players around him, the likes of Max Bird, uh, Jason Knight, and now coming into the team, Louis Sibley, he has really had to take on a different role that he's not really done before in his career. And he's doing it superbly because, as mentioned, the young lads that he's got coming in around him, he's been a guiding light for them when it comes to uh, being introduced into the team this season, hasn't he? No, I, I do agree. Um, he has taken on the role of, well, just Derby County in general. I think everyone was waiting for him to be registered so he can play in January. Um, and, he's, and, and him coming to the club at the time he did has been so important. And he, he has been a key factor in the form being turned around. I think they're one of the form sides before the lockdown. Um, so, yeah, absolutely. I haven't I haven't picked him. I'm quite surprised by that. I, I No, no, definitely. Uh, I went with a rule of not having players with less than 15 appearances. Ooh, OK. See, I kind of followed that rule as well, but then I thought, hang on a minute, I can't leave out Wayne Rooney. Uh, so let's go with... You've gone three five two, so you've still got four players left. Let's go with your right winger. Who's that? It's Pablo Hernandez. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, we won't say any more then. <laughs> Unless yeah. there's anything else you want to add. Well, what has really intrigued me with Pablo Hernandez is he's, he's made his legs more mobile. Right. Let's go to your left winger. Then. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's Camel Grisicki. I've gone Camel Grisicki as well. But I presume you're going off Hull City Camel Krasicki as opposed to West Brom Camel well, Krasicki. No, absolutely yes. However, I don't. It's, it's harsh to really judge him at West Brom just because he's he's gotten there as a, a bit of a backup to Pereira, yeah. Robinson, etc. Um, yeah. But you're getting a very good player as a backup. He's oh, yeah, one definitely. of the most creative players in the league. Um, <laughs> I mean, at 31, you think he's a, a lot older than he is. And he doesn't. He doesn't look like the player that he is. Like you wouldn't expect a trick from him, um, but he's a very, very clever player. I am judging by him looks. So I am very shallow in footballers. Um, I, and yeah, a very dangerous crosser with the ball. Set pieces are very good, and him leaving Hull certainly had a detrimental, uh, detrimental effect in their form. Oh yeah, massively. I mean, when he was at Hull. He was kind of being overshadowed at times by Jared Bowen, mm-hmm. but he was almost just as important as him. Yeah. And kind of going back to what you were saying, it's a bit of an injustice, really, that he's just a squad player at West Brom because he could probably do a job for just about any club in the Championship. Mm-hmm. He's that good. He, he, Even if he were to go to a promotion-chasing side, he would get into that side and do a very good job there. But as you mentioned, he's having to battle against Callum Robinson at the moment at West Brom and also Grady Dean Garner when he comes back. So I do feel a bit sorry for Krasicki in that sense. Uh, my right winger was Andre Ayew, someone we spoke about last week, so I won't say too much, but the reason we spoke about him last week is because we said he's not appreciated enough. He's one of the best attackers in the league and at times has been Swansea's only real attacking outlet. And I really do wonder where they'd be without him this season. Because it's mm-hmm. worth remembering, it didn't seem like he'd be at the club back in the summer. But Swans fans will be thankful that he ended up staying because they might have been in a bit of poo if he didn't. Uh, you've got two strikers. Who's your first uh, striker, Justin? It's uh, it's Lewis Graben. Yeah, I've got Lewis Graben as well. That's my only striker. Yeah, I mean, so, there's hang no... on, before we talk about him, how about we okay. go on to your other striker? Okay, Lukas Djokovic. Yeah, I thought it might be. Tell so, us about him. Again, similar to Matt Smith last week, I don't think those sorts of players get enough credit. 
Uh, and Lukas Djokovic isn't just your target man, love it up to him. He's very good with his feet. And I know it's a cliche, um, but he's genuinely very good with his feet. He scores a lot of goals with his left foot. His left foot's an absolute hammer. Um, I remember a goal when Birmingham City came to Pride Park a couple of years ago and he met the he met the he met a volley on the edge of the box and just smashed it in. It was it was a brilliant goal. Um and he is quite easily one of the best target men in the uh, target men in the league. He can mix his game up, and you know he's, he's probably one of the last lo- last of the long line of strikers who prospers in a big man little man partnership. Mm. Well, we've um, seen that with Scott Hogan, haven't we? Exactly in the latter half of the season. Exactly, and you know he's, he's got thirteen goals so far in a mid-table side. At best, is is a very good return for someone who is labelled and shoehorned into the target man category. Yeah, I well we. Given Lukas Djokovic plenty of praise this season, haven't we? Because we love him. He is, mm. in terms of winning the ball in the air, he's probably the best in the championship at doing yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. Even though he's not the tallest, he is quite tall, but not as tall as you know, yeah, Aidan Flint or what have you. Mm-hmm. He will win the ball no matter who mm-hmm. he's up against. He is. You mentioned it before. His left foot's a hammer. He's also a hammer. He will just <laughs> hammer anyone just out of the a, way. A giant just, hammer just so he can head anything that comes his way. Uh, Lewis Graben then. <clears throat> if you don't mind, I just want to have a little bit of a loving for Lewis Graben. That's fine, because that's fine, that's fine. he's probably got a fair shout for being one of the most consistent goal scorers in championship history. Oh, yeah. Prior to the season being postponed, he was on course to have one of his best goal scoring seasons ever. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's made it even more impressive is he's not had a gluttony of chances. Because one issue Forrest have had this season is that, despite them being high up the table... The data shows creating chances has been a bit of an issue. So it's quite lucky for them that when they have created them, Graben has been there to put them away. Just before this season uh, was put on halt, Forrest were having one of the worst spells of the season. And I don't think it's much coincidence that coincided with Lewis Graben having one of his worst goal-scoring spells of the season. So it's quite lucky, really, that the season paused when it did for Forrest. Mm-hmm. Uh, one final point I wanted to make on it is that I feel he's always had this reputation as a <coughs> poacher. Uh, someone who finishes chances but doesn't add much to the build-up. But that's not actually that true because he's actually averaging a chance created per game this season, which out of the strikers who have played 20 more games, only three in the championship have done better than that this season. So really, he's kind of an all-round striker in a way. Mm. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think it was his goal away at Swansea. Um, he collects the ball down the right-hand side and he crosses it to Semedo for the last minute, mm. last minute winner. Uh, I um, recall the goal you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, as you say, he's, he's on course for one of his best goal returns and just highlighting his ability to score in the Championship. When he was at Sunderland and they were dreadful, he hit yeah. double figures. <laughs> yeah. He hit double figures and it did no right to because they were terrible. Um, and as you say, they don't create many chances for us, but Lewis Graben, you want him in the squad. He, he's their only reliable source of goals and him... Sambasau and Ben Watson have been so important for Forrest and they're all very experienced players and that might you know, give a good indication as to why Forrest have been a lot better this season. Yeah, fair point. Squad goals is that part of the show where me and Justin look back at some of the best and worst squads in the history of the championship. This week, Justin is picking the good squad. I'm going to look at a crap squad. So Justin, who have you gone for as your good squad this week? So I've I've gone with the Southampton side of the 2011-2012 season. Oh, stop it. What a team. What, what a, a team. team. And I, I think it's generally one of my favourite teams to play in the Championship ever. Yeah. And I support Derby and they're technically my favourite Championship team. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I think that Southampton side has got to be in there as one of the most iconic hmm. sides to play in the Championship because... I'm oh. sure you're going to list them off in a uh, sec. Yes, I am. But there's I know so there's so <laughs> many players in there who have just gone on to be unreal. Yeah. Well, I'll get onto that in a moment. Um, yeah. And uh, we have touched base on this side a couple of times. We've mentioned of certain players, you know, Kelvin Davis, for example, when he was at Ipswich. Um, they but they finished second that season. They they scored the most. And they only conceded 46. They finished ahead of Sam Allardyce's star-studded. I say that in inverted commas. West Ham side. Mm. Um, 
Uh, they finished ahead of Birmingham City, who were managed by Chris Hewton at the time. Blackpool had just come down, who were managed by Ian Holloway, and obviously Tom Ince was tearing the division up at that point. Uh, and obviously Cardiff as well, who had Jay Barfroyd, Michael Chopra, Peter Whittingham, etc. They pipped some very, very good sides to the automatic spots. And they, I think they'd, had just, they'd just come up from League One that season as well. Who finished top? Reading. Oh, OK. Under Brian McDermott. They wanted like, no, it wasn't a season went on the crazy one. Anyway. Um, <laughs> but as you were saying with the players, just to, just to illustrate how good they were, uh, Morgan Schneiderlin, capped by France, purchased by Manchester United. Yep, yep. Jose Font, Portugal. He won the Euros in 2016. Obviously, Ricky Lambert, went to the World Cup for England 2014, was an I'm unreal I'm goal I'm getting this completely wrong, but is this the season Ricky Lambert got yeah. over 40 goals and assists. Yeah. Yeah, wow. it is. Uh, Adam Lallana, who's now a Champions League winner, uh, and, and Jack Cork. <laughs> hey, there's nothing more than Jack Cork. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but as you say, uh, Lambert scored 31 and assisted 13 that season. Lallana scored 13 and assisted 10 that season. Both the full-backs, Fraser Richardson and Danny Fox, got over 10 assists, 10 assists that season. Billy Sharp scored goals. Uh, David Connolly scored goals. Easily the most complete championship side ever. Yeah, I'm surprised but they didn't we win haven't... the league. Well, yeah, I'm surprised we haven't spoken about them more. Really, uh, Jose Fonte, Adam Lallana, and Morgan Schneiderlin are quite weird in the way because they were both with them in League One, weren't yeah. they? Yeah. And then took them up to the Premier League. So mm-hmm. uh, that that Southampton side is iconic. Didn't realise they had Fraser Richardson and who was the other one? Danny Fox. Danny Fox. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, for some Danny reason... Fox when he could move. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> for some reason, I had Nathaniel <laughs> Klein and. Luke Shaw in my head, but I think that we're talking that was the Premier few, League. Yeah, a few well, seasons in the Premier League, aren't we? Going, going in the squad list, they had James Ward Prowse, uh, Luke Shaw, but they didn't make an appearance that season. Uh, well, they had the that was the foundation really, wasn't it, for mm-hmm. that Southampton side who uh, would go on to finish. They had one ridiculous season, didn't they, under uh, Mauricio Pochettino, and a lot of that Southampton side was still mm-hmm. very much the ones that were in the Championship. Absolutely. Right, my crap side that I want to put a spotlight on, Justin, is the Colchester United side from 2007-2008. So to give you a bit of background here, prior to this season, Colchester recorded their highest ever finish in football, ever. They came 10th in the championship. No one expected it. They even nearly got in the playoffs. Uh, They were helped mainly by the goals of Jamie Curriton and Chris Uwalumo. They got 42 goals between them that season, with Curriton the top scorer in the whole of the championship. So who knew how this season would go? And it became immediately apparent that it might become a bit of a struggle. (laughs) So Curriton and Iwalumo both left in the summer, citing a lack of ambition from the club. And they also lost... (laughs) Whoa! Yeah. The the ground hold like 6,000 people, lay a road. Well... I, I thought that as well. Come on. I thought I thought it was a bit harsh as well, but that's the reasons they gave. And they also lost club legend Wayne Brown and Richard Garcia, who's probably better known for his time at Hull. Mm-hmm. They both left for the same reasons, uh, a lack of ambition. So not a great start, but it wasn't all that bad because with the money they made on those players, they managed to break their transfer record twice to sign Mark Yeats and Clive Platt. Interesting side note when I was making notes. I mistook Clive Platt for David Platt. <laughs> and I was thinking to myself, cool, he must have been quite old by this point. <laughs> After his stint as Forest Manager, signs for yeah. Colchester United. <laughs> it, it wasn't until just before I recorded that I realised I was thinking of the wrong person. But anyway, they also signed Teddy Sheringham, who was very old at yes. this point. He yes, was 41, he uh, which is quite apt because the theme of this episode has been old players. Um, <laughs> the final player they signed was Kevin Livesby. Kevin Lisby, I should say. Now, he's important in the story of the season because Colchester finished bottom. But despite them losing their two best goal scorers, scoring goals wasn't a problem. Only five teams scored more than them in this season, with Lisby scoring 17. Okay. So how did they finish bottom? Have a guess. They conceded a lot of goals. Yep. Defensively, they're an absolute fucking shambles. Oh, wow. <laughs> they conceded... 83 goals this season, <laughs> the fourth highest amount ever in a championship season. They conceded four or more goals on six occasions and kept just two clean sheets all season. Now, I mentioned that Rotherham side last week who conceded 98. Yeah, that's the most ever in a championship season, and, which is horrendously yeah. bad. And Rotherham are obviously the worst, I think they're the worst side ever that, scene, mm. uh, that team was. Yeah, 
but Colchester not too far behind. They were relegated in early April. And the really sad thing is that this was their last season at Lair Road before they moved to the community mm. stadium. So the last season there was a season of failure, which I, is quite I, sad in a yeah, way. I went to Lair Road and it is an uncomfortable ground. Now, I want to ask you something. How was Lair Road as a ground? Um, <laughs> now, it's, it's, it's an, it was an non-league ground. Yeah. It's, oh. I never went. I've... I, I, I've know what Lair Road was about and I've spoke to a few people who have been to Lair Road and everyone says the same thing it was a bit of a dump yeah yeah, yeah. no it, it, you know how like sheds have that weird wavy roof I think it's asbestos I don't know yeah. but it's like that it was like that all the way around um and it, corrugated metal yeah corrugated steel. and it didn't go back the sand didn't go back very far it was very tight mm. yeah it was an uncomfortable experience held like six thousand or something yeah it was the smallest ground i think i've been to yeah well they moved to the community stadium which i've been to justin and i can't emphasize this enough (coughs) i hate it it is a crap ground i would much i'd never been to lair road but i would much prefer to go to that the community stadium because the community stadium is the most just plastic ground on earth it's just concrete it is awful I hate it as a ground. It's, it's most plastic we're really, ground. We're really digging into Colchester United. Yeah. But I, I, I can't emphasise enough, the community stadium is one of the worst grounds in the Football League because it is just so plain and dull. I hate it. If you ever go to a community stadium, you'll see what I mean. Anyway, going back to this Colchester United team, some notable names here. I'll just reel off quickly. Johnny Jackson, before we move to Charleston. Yes, yes. Matthew Connolly. Oh. Yeah. Completely forgot that he was there. Adam Virgo was also there as well. And of course, the man, the myth, the legend, George Alakobe. George Alakobe. Uh, well, on the back of that, he'd have moved to Wolves for a, a Actually, he moved halfway through the season. Yeah. So I think the thing was, when Wayne Brown left, that was one of the big blows to Colchester's defence being so crap. And then Alakobe made it even worse. Because uh, Alakobe was quite tidy back in the day at one two. Yeah, and I, I, right in saying he got injured and then it sort of didn't quite happen again for him. Yeah, still a legend though. Right, yeah. Craig Bryson pub quiz time. It is the part of the show where I'm going to give Justin six clues about a championship legend who will have made at <coughs> least 200 championship appearances and will have played relatively recently. So let's start off with the first clue, Justin. I've made 258 championship appearances, scoring 28 goals. 258 appearances, scoring 28 goals. Possibly a midfielder, maybe not. Mark Duffy. It's not Mark Duffy, but nice to hear him mentioned. I made my debut at the age of 17 in 2004 and hold the record for being the youngest player to get to 200 championship appearances. 2004. Mm, Youngest player to get to 200 appearances. Mm. Victor Moses. It's not Victor Moses, but that's a good shout. Don't think Victor Moses actually played that much in the championship, but I shall move on. I have 77 caps for my country. I'm the eighth most capped player in the country's history. Oh, okay. Ah, this is tricky. Is it tricky? I don't know. 17 years old, 200 appearances, capped. Mm. I want to say Giles Barnes, but it's not. No. It's definitely not. Who would he have got caps for? Jamaica. Oh. Pretty Has he played that much for Jamaica? I don't think he has. That's why I'm... Con- no. That's why I'm... I, I'm going to say it anyway. Get, give me the next clue. No. You just want to move on, don't you? It's not Giles Barnes. He's made 19 caps for Jamaica, which has completely passed me by. Uh, Fourth clue, I have started off early in my career as a left winger, despite being renowned for having a lack of pace. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like when you say it, I'm going to want to punch myself in the face. You will get the last clue. I guarantee it. So we're just delaying the inevitable, really. Okay. Give me the next one. Next clue, the second last clue. The clubs I've played for in my career include Charlton, Celtic and Derby. <laughs> the blank expression on your face. Celtic, Derby and who? Charlton. Lack of pace. You'll get it from the last clue. I don't know. <laughs> You'll get it. Are you ready? Um, okay. 
I scored the most famous goal in Cardiff City's history. Oh. I am shocked that you haven't got this. Wow. What? What is the most famous goal in their history? I honestly I don't know. Think. Think. So that means he's played for Cardiff, Charlton, Celtic and Derby. I don't know. <laughs> wow. Okay. I, oh, no. I'm very surprised you haven't got this. John, do you give up? Uh, Yeah. If I said he's got a marvellous beard, does that help? Wow, Justin. You Hang on a minute. We have done the Craig Brasson pub quiz <laughs> so many times this season, and you have got the most random player on earth from some really obscure clue. And this you haven't got. I'm shocked and slightly appalled. Um, his beard. Well, I, I'm going to put you out of your misery. It's Joe Ledley. Oh. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Most famous goal in Cardiff City's history? So, FA yeah. Cup semi-final? Yeah. Uh, for some reason, I, I <laughs> went to the League Cup. Oh, come on. <laughs> I didn't win feel, it, so I was just a bit like, well, Do you feel a famous? bit silly for not getting it now? It was the chart. I think I don't think if you if you'd have gone Crystal Palace rather than Charlton, I'd have got it. The Charlton one threw me. Yeah. See, he well, he played one game for Charlton this season. Yeah, exactly. And I thought if I throw that in, it might just screw with him a bit. Uh, the rest of the clues they, are they starting to make a bit more sense now? Record for the youngest player to get to two hundred championship appearances. There's one for you. Yeah, that's, that's a good clue. I wouldn't that's have got it. Clue. Um, it's all starting to make sense now. You, you seem a is. bit you seem a bit flabbergasted from that. I am, because I completely <laughs> forgot he played on the left, but I was at Cardiff, wasn't it? And yeah. you're right, he was, he's not a very quick player. No, um, he's really not. He's really not. In fact, it, it's quite a surprise, really, that he ever was a left winger. But there you go. That's mm. Joe Ledley. Championship legends? Uh, yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd put him in that category. The, the, the things he did for Cardiff were ridiculous. And obviously, okay. he was very good at Derby for a season under Rowett, under Gary Rowett. And fantastic beard. And a good beard. Yeah, yeah great bit. lovely. Right, this has been the Second Tier Podcast. Thank you for listening as always. As mentioned at the start of the show, if you wouldn't mind giving our Twitter a follow, it would be very much appreciated because we are having to start on Twitter all over again. Uh, that is it's Second Tier Pod, at Second Tier Pod. So if you wouldn't mind following that, that will be very much appreciated. We are still hoping to get the old Twitter account back, but uh, follow that for the time being so you can keep up to date with everything that is going on. As always, anything you can do to support us is also very much appreciated. And with that being said, I've been Ryan Dilks. I've been Justin Peach. Thank you for listening. Make you feel all right.